Welcome back. Welcome in. It's Friday here at Earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza, ready to preview tomorrow's game, noon, at home against Texas Christian. And to help me figure out what the heck is going on with the Horn Frogs, and are they good, are they bad, can they play defense or not? Do they have a quarterback? The man with the answer is Chris Anderson. No pressure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping the mat on this one in some regard because this is a hard team to solve. I've been, I'm wrong on TCU every year, it seems like. And this one, I feel like, is the same in that I just don't have a beat on them. I'm usually, the, my, my prediction on them is almost always the inverse, it seems like. Or like when they've been down, I expect them to come back. And like I thought they should have been good this year because I kind of liked their quarterback last year. I'm not sure he's made the strides to to validate that. And then their the personnel situation that we were just discussing is quite disorienting. Well, I guess we should just go ahead and wrap up this podcast because I'm not sure I'm going to be much uh, <laughs> much more help because uh, I, I think my record so far, I took them, for those that don't read the uh, charity bets, which, by the way, on a roll right now. Yeah, but, ever since you gave it up. Yeah, ever since I, I started soliciting advice from random strangers on the Internet, uh, everything's gone great. So, you know. If you're ever in doubt about life decisions, ask some strangers on the internet. You'll get your answers. Uh, don't actually do that. But early on, I, I think I, I think it was the Texas game, and I said, uh, you know, TCU's terrible. Texas by ten, and TCU beat them. And then the next game, I said, I believe in TCU, and then and I believe in their offense. To, or oh, it was the Iowa State game, I think, where mm-hmm. uh, Duggan came in for the second half, and offense looked amazing. And then came out and laid a dud. And then, and then I was just like, I'm done. It was like three or four games in a row where they were great. And then a, just laid a dud. And then great, laid a dud. I said, I'm done. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna bet on that team anymore. I'm not even gonna talk about them anymore because I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if if Duggan's good because I, I, I'm with you. I think towards the end of last season, he he seemed to find his groove. They seemed to find out how he fit in schematically. And he really excelled, and a lot of that was with his feet. But he was still a little bit of a danger with his with his arm. And then it was almost like they tried to make him into a passing quarterback to start this year, and got mixed results. And then you know, most recently, they kind of said, "Screw it, turn it back to run first. And he had what three touchdown runs last week mm-hmm. in in his game. So I, I have no idea what what West Virginia is going to see from him on Saturday. Well, I have a good idea what you're not going to see. TCU ran like four plays against Texas Tech because Texas Tech insisted on playing with two down linemen, two stand-up edge guys, and two in the middle. <laughs> they were creating all these gaps for a quarterback run game in the middle. And they were, I think they were trying to outflank some of the jet sweet stuff and the, and the run outside. And all the highlights I saw are like two guys on the ground and four guys standing up. And then at the end of the game, there's an 81 yard touchdown run. And as guys are chasing Duggan toward the end zone, people are looking presumably in the direction of Keith Patterson going, what are we doing? <laughs> this is how we play. So I would be very surprised if you see a two, four, five out of West Virginia tomorrow. Well, did you know you just said Keith Patterson? Was that like subliminal? Uh, like you didn't know instead of Gary Patterson? Well, Keith Patterson's the Texas oh, Tech. Oh, that's right, Texas Tech. I was thinking yeah. the other way around. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Now I'm thinking he's Keith Patterson. I'm well, I'm confusing myself. Maybe they were going to look at Gary Patterson saying, "Can you teach Keith Patterson a little <laughs> bit better way to do this?" Here, here's what's fascinating about TCU through the years: one, Patterson's longevity across different conferences and even in the Big Twelve is is um, impressive. And I'm speaking of 
Gary Patterson, by the way. Um, okay. But then, so six and six, his first full year at TCU. Then he goes 10 and two, 11 and two. Pretty good. And those are kind of the years and they were getting going. Um, not their Rose Bowl run, but like they were like a team that you could tell was going to be good. And they go five and six. Jump into a new conference, 11 and one, 11 and two, eight and five, 11 and two, 12 and one, 13 and no, 11 and two. And that's your Fiesta Bowl, Rose Bowl years. Go into the Big 12, seven and six, four and eight. And then you go 12 and one, 11 and two, drop down to six and seven, go 11 and three. So they go seven and six in 2018. And I'm thinking, all right, they're going to roar back because Patterson is incredibly resilient. And since then, five and seven, three and three. I, I, they, they come in the same time as West Virginia. So they obviously have that bond. West Virginia hasn't quite reached those heights, but has been really close a couple of times. Has a 10-win season and obviously has left a couple of games on the table that could have you know, pushed him toward conference championship appearances or contention. But I, I kind of feel like, as you saw what Dana Holgerson did and you see what Neil Brown is trying to do, stop with the, the pass stuff. Try to run the ball more. Patterson obviously plays behind his defense, too. And yet the results aren't quite there. It just seems like it's a good plan, but it hasn't quite worked. And I wonder if you can apply that to West Virginia, too. Or do you have to be so dynamic on offense to make up for some of the shortcomings that teams like Texas and Oklahoma, maybe even Oklahoma State, don't possess? I, I'm, this, this is going to be a matchup of some very strange offenses, I think, on Saturday. I, I think you're right. I think they're going to be trying different things, both teams uh, trying a bunch of different stuff. Uh, anything kitchen sink type game for both of them, don't you think? Oh yeah. Um, especially with this talk of you know Letty Brown not practicing all week that Neil Brown confirmed last night. He he kind of alluded to the fact that that would likely happen to try to get him 100 percent healthy, but he really hasn't been out there. And when Brown wasn't 100 percent against Texas, it, West Virginia couldn't do anything, and they tried all sorts of stuff. I mean, they were they were able to move the ball between the 30s, as we noted with the quick hitters to the receivers, but that's only going to work for so long. It doesn't work when you get close. It doesn't work when the opposing team knows you're going to do it and can scheme against it. So I think there's going to be all sorts of weird stuff going on in this game from both teams. Yeah. Should we go over the injury stuff now? If you want to jump right into it, let's do it. Let's get out of the way because you've kind of teased a little bit and it'll feed into some things. Um, Yeah, Brown hasn't practiced. He's been doing rehab stuff off to the side trying to get right. What do we think happened? Like helmet to the hip or something like that? They haven't really clarified. I'm not sure. I know he had a heavy wrap on one of the legs, and I want to say it was it was knee up, right? Yeah, it, it looked like all. I again, they haven't said they. Heck, I don't even think they've done the whole you know coach thing of lower extremity or whatever they like to say lower body. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looked like a wrap over his upper leg and I was thinking hamstring because I've seen that before where you've had a hamstring issue and you just basically wrap it up as tight as you can so that it doesn't bother you as much mm-hmm. but I, I you know again I, I hate to just take random guesses on on injuries so who knows but it, it, it there was a definite wrap on his upper leg lower lower half correct okay so not practicing rehab, and that just means you're getting rubbed and, and ointments and stuff like that and trying to get things back to normal, stretch it, massage it. Cross your fingers on Saturday they can go. And then, listen, it's up to him. He knows his body, and he's going to say if he can go and if he can't. But he might play. He might start. He might get to warm-ups, and he can't go. I'm sure there'll be eyeballs on him. But, you know, they'll look for winces. They'll look for ability to cut and things like that. But it's up to him ultimately. If he says, I can't do it, and he's out. 
Um, so then you think, okay, Sinkfield, Tony Mathis? No. Avaria Sparrow has taken the two reps this week and acquitted himself nicely. And near as we can tell, Tony Mathis has just been relegated to scout team. Um, not really doing much. And then as it was relayed to me on the radio last night, I did not catch this. Perhaps you did, but some some nice words about Sparrow from Brown. And then Mathis was just kind of mentioned offhandedly. He was <laughs> he was um he was like the third Skyler sister in Hamilton, just just Peggy. <laughs> like wasn't wasn't quite up to up to snuff for Neil Brown. Yeah, that was about how it went. I don't have the exact quotes in front of me, but I was listening and it it was talking about Mathis and this and that and what he does well. And it was like also just kind of like, hey, and and Tony Mathis is there too. It's like he's he's there. Is he mm. <laughs> is he is he running the ball? Is he doing anything? Um I'm not gonna so, lie to you. Like when when they played Sparrow earlier in the year at the end of the game and you pointed out that it could have been Mathis or anybody else, I was just thinking, eh. Get the kid a chance. He'd been a scout team player for a while and apparently did well. Nope. It looks like they kind of made their decision to at least head in that direction, and Sparrow's validated that decision ever since. Yeah, and 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 Brown, I don't know if he was trying to cover it up or he was, you know, because he – you mentioned the scout team thing, and Brown said the same thing after the game. I think it was the Tuesday after the game, you know, a couple of days later, said, oh, yeah, we just wanted to get Sparrow some touches because he had a great week in practice, and we wanted to reward him. And But I think – some of the things you saw, even in just those limited limited snaps, and let's not get carried away about uh, somebody getting three carries at the end of a complete and total blowout game. But I like the way he turned his feet, man. He runs hard because on all of those on all of his runs, he got hit like in the backfield and just kept moving and kept moving forward. And that might be something you need especially with you know the issues that West Virginia was running into against Texas where they couldn't run the ball up the middle. They couldn't go on third and one. They couldn't go on fourth and one with a run. And maybe that's the kind of back you need is somebody that's just going to turn their feet and just give you two yards, two or three yards, whatever you can get. So we'll see where they, which way they go, what happens, and, and if, I don't know. I mean, do you, I'm trying to think of another instance of where someone didn't practice all week long and then played in the game. I would think you could do it if you're running back and, and maybe and like maybe corner or something like that, just because you're, you're, I don't want to say simple, but if you play as many snaps as he has, then you probably know what you're doing, but that timing is tough because you lose it if you don't have it. That's why you, why you practice. Um, cornerback, you can just, you run and read, and you can get a lot of your stuff done on film if you keep your legs underneath you for a week. Running back's going to be difficult. I would, I'd be surprised if he's effective if he, if he plays and if he plays a lot. Um, we'll see. And you got to get him warmed up and then stay warm, too. That's the hard thing. So if it's a hamstring, we're, we're speculating that's going to be hard to, to keep going the whole time. And you know, the first time he comes out, can he get it? Can he rev it back up again? If it's a deep thigh bruise, man, remember that sideline, like that sidelines players for a while because it doesn't care. And it, it's hard to rehab, too. It just takes time typically, too. And it's hard to plan and do stuff like that. And, um, well, you're going to get a lot of shoulders and helmets in that thigh. Um, not because teams are going to do that because they know you're hurt there, but because that's where you take a lot of hits sometimes as a running back, especially Brown who runs with his, you know, who, who runs into people. And then you kind of have to go low on him because he's proven that he's going to shrug off a lot of stuff up high. Let's um, flip to the other side of the ball. Not expecting to see Josh Chandler either, it sounds like. Um, could be out for some time here if, if, um, if it's bad news for him. And it looks like it is. His backup is good. X-Ray Lowe is one of the best backups on the team, I think we would say. 
I don't, I don't know who our other will is at this point because I haven't played one all year, and I'm not picking on them for not having a third will. I get that, but this team that they're playing with its offense as it is, you probably don't have to worry too much about um, being unconventional against them, I would think, because they do a lot of unconventional stuff. So we mentioned the TCU picked apart Texas Tech's strange defense, but Texas Tech went to that gimmick for some reason. I, I goof on the cute pad or something, but these are successful, talented, smart defensive coaches. They put in a game plan or a scheme or some designs that were supposed to work, just didn't. And then maybe TCU had a counter there. Saw live inverted deer, for example, too. You don't see that every Saturday. But it makes me think that like perhaps West Virginia is looking at the saying, we only have two mics and we only have, well, actually one of them, we have one mic <laughs> and then you have two bandits and one will right now. Do they go four, one, six? Do they go four, two, five as much as they can and swap out in different spots? I'm very curious about what we see from probably specifically Leslie, but also his his uh, brain trust there on the defensive side to stretch out low as long as they can. And do they kind of supplement that a little bit, take some weight off of his shoulder pads and do something different, maybe play like traditional nickel stuff without him on the field, uh, put an extra defensive back. I don't know. Just try to make it work. Can they, can they go a full 65 or so snaps with just basically three linebackers? Oh, wait, four linebackers, but one will. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I'm not sure who the backup will would be, the third string guy. I don't know where they'd go. Do they, um, because, you know, Dylan Tonkery had some experience there. He, I think he got a start there last year, right? I think at least one start uh, in his career. He's played some snaps there, but I'm not sure they switch him from Bandit unless they're just a full-on move because x Low is, is good. So I don't think that, you know, I don't think they're going to move Tonkery there to start. I don't think they're going to move Tonkery to Will to back up. Because he's he's had a couple good games at Bandit now, so they might keep him right. there. But do you go Noah Guzman? Uh, in similar to the the game last year, uh, was that TCU State. last year? I was that Iowa State where they went with that crazy defense and and Guzman got the start and played really well. And he kind of played, I mean, not kind of, he basically played in the box the entire game. So maybe you go that route. But I think you're you're probably yeah. That what would that you call that a four two. Four two five or three, three three five three it's two five. Weird, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be strange. It depends on how how you line up, but I I think I would lean. You try to ride low as long as you can, and and I would probably go Guzman and as his backup because because the will linebacker also goes into coverage a lot. So you really want to have somebody that that can do that, and obviously Guzman as a, as a safety can do that. I think if you go three deep, Jake Abbott's probably your third. I don't think he's played defensive snaps since Eastern Kentucky, though. So, going to be tricky there. Uh, so, again, keep an eye on that one because that's going to – again, you may have to doctor up something quirky because of your personnel, but also because of who you're playing. Like, this is not a, an ordinary team they're going to see. Um, let's just go to their offense. Years ago, they hired two air raid guys, uh, Sonny Cumbie, Doug Meacham. They got Boykin, Doxon, Dana's high-fiving dudes in the sideline while getting blown out. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is scary. This is an air raid team that's going to get the talent from the Dallas Metroplex area. They got really good offensive coaches and, you know, one of the best defensive coaches. Watch out. And back-to-back seasons, they did it. Have a dip, a third season with Kenny Hill, who was a highly regarded prospect, who came over because he saw what they were doing, and he was done at Texas A&M. And then he had a, a great senior year. So three out of four years, they're doing great stuff. 
they've just struck out a running at quarterback ever since then, um, despite some recruiting wins and some transfer wins, again, because they saw what they were doing. And this team has gone to running the ball between five and a half and six times out of ten, which is remarkable when you look at what they were a couple of years ago. How did this happen? How did this go from Air Raid, Boykin, Dotson, Kenny Hill to Max Duggan running up the middle? I have absolutely no clue because because Duggan was was a pretty highly regarded recruit, four star, mm-hmm. number five dual threat quarterback in the country. Um, Got away from yeah, Iowa State. Yeah, and I just don't. I can't figure him out as we were talking about earlier. I can't figure out this offense, what he's going to do each and every day. I just flat out asked, uh, you know, Jeremy Clark of our TCU site. I was like, it is, it, it seems so up and down. I know it's only his sophomore year, but is he the future? Like, is this the definitive quarterback for TCU in 2021 and 2022? And he, he said, yes, I, he seemed to feel pretty confident about it. I'm a, I'm a little more up in the air about it. Uh, because I'm just not sure what he's bringing as far as the quote-unquote dual threat. I feel like his main threat and only threat so far is basically his feet. Yeah, we say that, but he completes 65% of his passes. For like 10 yards of completion, you're thinking, wow, this is good. The trouble is he's only getting like 180 passing yards a game. But again, is it because they run so much that he doesn't pass, or do they run a lot because he's not a good passer? It's, again, chicken egg or, or... either or kind of stuff here well that that iowa state game is what that you know that's what threw me off like i said that was when i was like oh this is it he's the one and that was you know 16 of 19 84 percent but the texas tech most recently 11 of 23 for 73 yards and an interception Mm. maybe they hey maybe that's that that defense that uh old gary (laughs) keith patterson put together and 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 that's what screwed him up i'm not sure but Again, it then ended up with 19 carries for 150 yards and three touchdowns. So, yeah, 20 of 30 in the second game against Texas Tech for 230, or excuse me, Texas for 231 yards, average against Kansas State, and then against um, Oklahoma, which Oklahoma, I understand, 25 of 35 for 276. So the potential is there. Um, I, I just again, I don't know what to expect, but I feel like if he beats you through the air, you've lost that game. Yeah, absolutely. I also kind of feel like Gary Patterson got in the headset and told uh, Cumbie, if you pass it 24 times, you're not coming home with us. Because <laughs> there, no, there was no reason that he should have been passing the ball the way they were running because they have, they have good backs too. Uh, Duggan is, I, I don't know, I mean, he's, he's an interesting player. The, the jury's out on him, but he's, is he impressive physically? Like you look at Ellinger and he's just a big guy that moves and he doesn't run away from you, but he's big and he can do stuff with his frame to shirk off tackles and, and survive some plays. Uh, you look at, I'm trying to think of other guys here, you know, the people who have played quarterback and run through the years at Oklahoma, Duggan's 6'2", 200. And I watch film and he runs away from guys though, which is kind of impressive. He also gets wide open too. I don't know how they do that, but he's like, he's like the receiver you forget to cover, except he's the quarterback taking the snap and he's gashing through huge spaces in the field. But is he impressive? I depends on the week, I guess is is what we're getting at here. It depends on the week and, and, but they do, obviously they scheme something up well for him in the running game. Uh, I noted it in my three keys that, you know, unlike Ellinger does a lot of power run game or QB draw right up the middle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, of Duggan stuff is, is outside more than 60% is outside of the tackles for his design runs, not the scrambles, but the design runs and, Many of the scrambles are out there as well, but 
you, you know, scrambles, you go wherever you can go. So I think they do design that well. I think they, they take advantage of his footwork and, and his speed because you're right. He's, he pulls away from guys. He, he's not a, <clears throat> a shifty guy like Ellinger because Ellinger's not in, incredibly fast. Um, he, he's big and he can bulldoze you over and he's smart. He's got good vision. Uh, Duggan's fast, legitimately fast. So it's going to be key to kind of keep that edge out there on him. Yeah, and again, I think that's you mentioned the the sixty percent. A lot of that was before the last game, and if you look at just how they ran the ball last game, again, he was running just inverted veer up the middle. Um, a lot of his stuff in that first in that last game, one, two, three, four, five. He had sixteen traditional carries, and almost everything was in between your tackles there too. So maybe that was the game plan you got there. Trouble is, they pressure the edges so much with like the same type of TCU guy, a, a small shifty speedy guy who can run jet sweeps and reverses and end arounds too. Um, I, I kind of worry about that deception there because they, they, again, they press the edges with the quarterback and with those little receivers that run all that sweep action, but also cause he can get up the middle there too. Do you keep your eyeballs on the slot receivers here more than normal? Uh, probably for TCU. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that that's Barber is a shifty guy that they, that they find ways to give him the ball and, they'll do it in a variety of ways in a bunch of different places. So I think he he's the key, the, the guy you really have to watch as far as uh, the receiving game goes. Yep, man. He's been one of those. He's like their leading receiver too. So it's not like it's a gimmick with him, but that's a guy they've been waiting on to get going for years. Uh, they've lost a ton of receivers to the transfer portal. I think four or five and just one last week who was really good. They haven't been able to hit like they thought they would. I think that they think they're going to be better before long. Um J.D. Spielman, who had like 2,500 yards receiving in three years at Nebraska, has missed some time. I think they're hopeful he'll be back. But you look at his year, five catches, 56 yards. They really want to get going. Some of their younger players haven't done a lot yet. Uh, Michael Barkley, Mikkel Barkley, I'm not really sure. M-I-K-E-L, I can never read that one as an M-I-C-H-A-E-L. I apologize. But that's a guy who's like a 10-1 in the 100. Mm. Is there all the same kind of people there too? But the one guy that they that they think that they're going to try to get in is Savion Williams, who's a six five freshman, who's a track guy too. Um, doesn't have a catches here. He's played in a bunch of games, but they just haven't had a ton of production, and they need people to play snaps at the outside receiver too. So we're we're talking about who's going to play running back or who's going to play linebacker for um, West Virginia. TCU's got major personnel issues, and I wonder if there's a surprise or somebody who just has a big first game or just splashes in. You'd look at guys like, again, Spielman, it could be. It could be Barber, um, excuse me, Bradley, or it could be someone like Savion Williams. Again, a four-star top 25 receiver last year. As a freshman, just hasn't played a whole lot. But somebody's got to do something to wake up that offense, I think. And I say that, but they've hit 33 and 34 points the last two games, too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, um, I don't know if they'll be entirely uh, something to watch, but they, they do play their tight ends a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wells and Lynn. And they only got, what, 16 catches on the year? 13, 13 catches on the year between the two of them. So it's not exactly a major part of their game, but hey, that hasn't stopped a tight end from doing that to West Virginia before. So I'm not going to rule it out right now because they do play. They do grade out well. I'm just not sure they're a centerpiece of the passing game or, or a key target for Duggan, but it's always something you got to keep an eye out on when they're out there as much as they are and catching passes. Yeah, Pro Pro Wells is the tight end pro wells and he's a freak he's one of those tcu guys that just is great in the weight room and has all the measurables he's he's going to be if they use him the way they want to probably use him eventually he's going to be a tough matchup for everybody he's 6'4 250 and he really runs and jumps he looks like a good player uh, that's another guy they're waiting to, to try to get in and maybe some of these struggles on offense people who are transferring or aren't healthy maybe they find ways to you know to flip people in again back-to-back wins a lot of points a lot of yards maybe it's coming together i don't know um keys for you for um the defense on west virginia uh, defense on West Virginia. It, no, no, it's got the de- the defense of West Virginia against this TCU offense. Yeah, it's got to be for me. It's I'm leaning towards Tonkery. I guess I'm putting a lot of the weight on his shoulders, but but really those guys in, on keeping the keeping contain on on Duggan. Uh, I know you, you know you mentioned that they ran the invertivir, got got a bunch of runs up the middle, but um, you really can't let him get outside. And, and I think. If you keep him inside, I, I, I have more faith in guys like Tony Fields and Sean Mahone up the middle, kind of making them, and Tyke Smith making those tackles than, say, him getting outside and, and going one-on-one against the cornerback. Yeah, I think it's a good point. What do you think of Leslie saying that they've been kind of nicked the last couple of games by plays they haven't seen, which I don't think is unusual that you see that you're surprised every now and then. I was just curious about that because – Brown and maybe even Leslie kind of and Parker said at the beginning of the year that don't know how much time you'll have, don't know what type of availability of players you'll have to put new stuff in and be creative from week to week. You might just polish and remove and refine as opposed to install. And they said the last couple of games, there's been one or two or three different things they haven't seen. And the first play against from scrimmage against Texas was a new play they hadn't seen. It was really clever, kind of a counter play with the power going the other direction. They ran a similar scheme with Ellinger in big moments and got big yardage out of it, too. Um, I, again, it's not a big deal that people are throwing plays at you that you haven't seen, but it sounds like they're succeeding. And you wonder, like, what can TCU do here? Is it a kitchen sink kind of thing? Are they going to run something that they haven't run in? Are they saving something for West Virginia? Do they have something dialed up for a defense that plays like this and the personnel they have? And do they attack, for example, X-Reload? I don't know, but it, it does seem like it's worth watching. How many times will it be a surprise? That works because this could be a low scoring, small margin game. And if you get a, a pop play that goes, you know, the length of the field or sets up a touchdown, that is pretty significant. Well, let me ask you a question back. Do you think they already used that? When you mentioned how they, you know, kind of almost completely changed their offense to run that again, that inverted veer against Texas Tech. Do you think that, that was their, you know, their ace up their sleeve and that, and that that's it now? Now it's either going to be that or back to the original offense? Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to watch more stuff to see if they've done that a lot this year. Just the numbers outside make me think that they're doing a lot of stuff where they let him bounce it out there or he's getting lead blockers and running sweeps. But you can get outside running zone read. 
You're going in yeah. the middle, inverted veer. That's why it's inverted. You're blocking. You're not blocking the play side defensive end as opposed to the backside defensive end. So they might have seen something that might be in their bag, but like the first time that the inverted veer really appeared, Gary Patterson's offense uh, under Justin Fuente's leadership in 2009. So it's not like it's a brand new thing. It might have been new this year. So that'd be that'd be curious. But you wonder about you know what do they do with the tight end because that. That, that's that's legendary in West Virginia's history. Somebody's going to forget to cover a tight end. He's wheeling up the sideline. or um, And Patterson, you, you've got to be ready for a trick play, too, or two, whether it's on special teams or on offense. He loves to do that. And he's got people who can do it. You can do some weird stuff, and you have talented guys who are playing the positions that are going to have the ball in their hands a lot. These are sometimes converted quarterbacks. These are sometimes guys who can definitely throw a pass. They can play different positions. Um, yeah, again, I think your kitchen sink is probably right. And I think you got to be on guard for a lot of it. Have they used everything? I, I doubt it. But there's no way that West Virginia is going to be surprised by the inverted veer. No. And, and on the tight ends, by the way, 370 snaps. Uh, the, the offense has run a total of 402. Now, some of that's going to be uh, two tight ends. So it, it, it's probably not 370 out of 402. But that's a lot of tight end action, right? As much as anybody in this league. So they're out there. Uh, you got to keep an eye on them. They just can't go empty and they can't go four wide because they don't have receivers. Right. So, and then of course, now get ready for a tight end to be in the five wide or something like that and <laughs> have a huge day thanks to Chris, I guess. Yeah, you're welcome. Last one, uh, the running backs, all freshmen, and it looks like Zach Evans is figuring it out. Almost all of his yardage and carries are in the last two days. That's the best recruit they've ever had. It's quite a story how he got there. I don't know if you want to tell or, or revisit that, but oh, he's he's as good as it gets as far as the, the recruiting rankings go to walk on a TCU campus, and he's been good the last two games. It, that kind of, like, not to go too far off topic on the uh, running backs here, but you said really good the last two games. I feel like that's... Everybody on this team, I feel like TCU, the last two games, the, has been by far Worries. the best two games. Um, That's worrisome. Yeah. So, never a good sign. Uh, yeah, Evans was, uh, sorry, back to Evans. Uh, amazing, amazing football player. Uh, five-star recruit. Everybody in the country wanted him. Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, so on. And was just absolutely all over the place. I believe it was, it was like, he was going to sign early and then apparently did sign early and didn't tell anybody. And then before he actually told anybody, asked to get out of that letter of intent and then was going to commit another time and didn't, but then just kind of committed to TCU out of the blue, just kind of showed up on their campus like in May. Uh, teams were just avoiding him. I think he, you know there were some off-the-field issues and teams just – stopped talking to him and he kind of just signing day, both signing days early and late the early set signing day shenanigans I just covered, but then the regular signing day in February came and went and he didn't sign with anybody. And he just shows up on campus at TCU in May is <laughs> no commitment, no anything. Uh, and this is something kids can do. And, and you don't have to sign anything ever. You can you can just show up on campus and you'll never have to be tied into a school. So um, I, that that wasn't his reasoning for it. But, yeah, he just showed up in May and was on campus. And all of a sudden he was the same day that he, quote unquote, committed was the same day he was on campus and taking classes or taking online classes. Excuse me. Everything going on. Didn't play the first couple of games. You know, the the one for eight, the two for 11 kind of games in the middle 
probably getting his practice legs and proving that he's not going to be a flight risk or whatever. He's been with the team ever since. And again, almost all of his yardage and carries the past few games. They have three decent running backs, all freshmen. And they, again, they run the ball so much that they're going to use them all there too. If, if they get a hot hand, they're going to follow it. That hasn't been Evans yet. It could be soon. You saw what happened with B. John Robinson. That was a talented freshman who eventually was going to break out for Texas. He did early. Only got 12 carries, though, which is a point of contention down in Texas where <laughs> yeah. you win a game like that and you're complaining about give the guy more than 12 carries. I think we'd probably have similar opinions there, too. But um, their, their leader is Duggan. Duggan has 30 more attempts than anybody else, but just uh, 40 more yards than anybody else. But Barlow, Kendry Miller, Zach Evans, similar bodies, similar skills, similar talents. But Evans just feels inevitable to me. Yeah, um, like you noted, of his 21 carries, 17 in the last two games. And I think, what, was he the only one aside from Duggan that had double-digit carries last game? Yep. I don't know, Barlow had, Barlow had the same amount. Barlow had 11, he had 10. So I think it, it's pretty clear that, that he might be moving up the ladder and, and maybe taking over this uh, the starting job. Just a quick thing, too. Their special teams are going to be good because they have they have sprinters, they have athletes, they have guys who do stuff. So their kick and punt return are going to be are going to be formidable. And that's all we'll say about special teams. How's that? Yes, okay. that, that uh, sounds fine with me. Let's flip it to well, not to me, but I'll just do it for you this time. We'll flip <laughs> it to defense here because their defense again. Uh, this is a personnel thing too. Defensive line, cornerbacks especially, just falling down um, off the off the off the field, not falling down on the field, but they're just not available. And the safeties haven't been quite as good as maybe people expected. One has been, one hasn't. But again, I look at it and I say that this TCU defense is, hasn't been it. But that's because the, the bar is so darn high. I mean, the last three years, they've been number one in the conference in total defense. They have a tradition of doing that. Them and Alabama have led the country in defense more than anybody else. Um, but they're middle of the pack this year, which is okay. It's just not TCU. Yeah, the I think... I basically every category too but they're somewhere in the as long as far as the conference goes you know 10 teams and they're somewhere between fourth and sixth and rushing defense passing defense total defense scoring defense sacks every like everything they are kind of right there in the middle um so it's hard to tell what they do very well or what they do poorly or if it's kind of up and down and i think it's been more up and down than it has been average all year um be especially because as we kind of alluded to when we were talking about Zach Evans, everybody on this team is playing better in the last two games, uh, which is not great sign for WVU. Uh, but they have gotten, I think it's 11 sacks in the last two games, and they only had five in the first four, or, or in the first five, or first four. They've only played six games, not seven like WVU. But, um, and that was after they lost... Uh, Corey Bethley, who was a senior defensive yeah. tackle who was a freshman All-American and followed that up with honorable mention All-Big 12 two years in a row. You think that's a huge part of your defense. He goes out, and they get better. Um, it's just pretty remarkable. They have no one up front that scares you now. Like, it's it's kind of it's a remarkable thing because that edge guy for them is usually good. They always have, like, one wrecking ball on that defensive line, and the interior guys are typically stout guys who are going to come after you. They might just be recruiting really well again. And those young guys are taken to it quickly, but their their leading guy was has four sacks and three of them came last game. That yeah. surprises me, especially in this league where you see so much passing too. 
Yeah, that was uh, O'Shawn, O'Shawn Mathis. I think that's how you pronounce the first name. And, and yeah, that was one of my key matchups is, is him against uh, usually Bryson Mays. He typically lines up as a left outside linebacker, a left edge rusher, which means he's lining up opposite the right tackle or a tight end if you got him over there. And and again, he's 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 gotten better the last couple games. I don't know if it's that the interior guys, the, the new guys that are in there that are getting reps now, in Bethley's place are creating more opportunities for him, you know, by occupying more blockers or, or, or giving him more one-on-ones on the edge or what it was, but he was, he was a terror last game. I mean, three sacks in one game. I don't care how you got it. That's, that's impressive. So uh, that's going to be a big one to watch because Bryson Mays has not, not even close, uh, has not performed well in, in pass protection this year. That that's been, a very sticky point for him. You know, he, he's he's only two real stretches of playing time. It'll, he started and played every snap this past game. And then uh, the previous game, he had played against Kansas State. I think he was, was like 10 snaps that John Hughes started before he got hurt. And then Mays took over and played the rest. And he was the lowest rated pass blocker on the team in that game, too. So that's going to be a key matchup. And Daggy's going to have to watch himself right there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's because it's going to come right at you again and again. And again. Right. They're going to they're going to scheme stuff up too. It's going to be good. I think you're talking everybody into uh, a bad day here, by the way, with your with these back to back performances and everybody's playing really well here. It seems like we're yeah. going, starting to get answers too. Um, I, I I think this is a game they're going to have to take shots and try to go deep and use their outside receivers. You feel better about that now than you did a couple of weeks ago because they I think they've got their outside personnel figured out, uh, especially if Esdale sticks. Um, We'll see. Who knows? So that might have been a one-off kind of thing. I'm not sure, but they, it looks like they can do some things with their outside players between Ford Wheaton, Ryan, Jennings, Esdale. There's some potential there to make that work. Um, Sam James, 13 snaps last week, by the way. All inside again, too. So looks like they might have figured stuff out and trying to do a little bit better, and they, they're obviously pretty happy with Daigie. The, the cornerback situation for TCU is wild. They were doing really well looking at the numbers and, and the, the metrics and all that stuff. Noah Daniels and See if I get this right. Travius Hodges Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Daniels lost for the season. They start Keon Stewart out now, probably for the season. After him, they go to another guy whose name I cannot read my handwriting here, unfortunately. Caesar is his last name. Yeah, CJ uh, Caesar. Who did okay. They think he'll be all right. So now you're like, all right, we got. Hodges Tomlinson and Caesar. Hodges Tomlinson got hurt last game. He might play Saturday. He might not play Saturday. They had to put in someone who'd never played cornerback before, Donovan Collins. So they had two third-team guys playing against Texas Tech at the end of that game. You might see two third-team cornerbacks starting a game of Mountaineer Field. And if that's the case, and you can't get the ball on the outside and you can't push it deep, listen, TCU may just have really good cornerbacks, but those aren't experienced players. And you have the edge because you've had a quarterback all season who knows where to go with the ball generally, as long as it's not a defensive lineman's breadbasket on a screen pass. And you got outside receivers who are playing pretty well. Um, we've been advocates of the inside passing game, the slot receivers a bunch. That can continue. Not a quite as easy with all the pattern matching they do and how they, they use their inside guys to, to help and run coverage or pass coverage. But you might have an opportunity to kind of go back to what you want to do and be a, an aggressive vertical passing mm-hmm. attack against this team. Have to. If you can't get it going in this game, I mean, maybe I think maybe I might have said this at the same time that Kansas came 
just because it's Kansas. But mm-hmm. in this one, you have to. You mentioned it right there. It could be two third-string cornerbacks, and they might not even be the weakest link in that secondary. Uh, another one of the, my key matchups was Ardarius Washington, who was expected to be pretty good, but has graded out among the worst of any safety in the Big Twelve, the entire Big Twelve conference. Uh, teams have thrown four touchdowns against him, uh, and only quote only been credited with that. But mm-hmm. there's been other plays where he's been the help on coverage and has somehow messed that up, gone wrong, read, missed the tackle, whatever. And he doesn't technically get credit from that from pro football focus, but that is on him. And, and that is part of the, he is part of the reason that TCU is, I believe it's the, I would say the worst, their second worst technically on 40 yard passing plays. They've given up 12 40 yard passing plays this yeah. season. And the only one worse is Tulane, but Tulane's played, two more games than them. So TCU might be the worst for the big pa- big play passing game. And that was before the injuries. Mm-hmm. So if West Virginia can't get, you know, the big pass plays against this secondary, it might be time to hang that one up. <laughs> I like, yes. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean to be like, too blunt about it but if it's not working then if it's not working against tcu and this secondary the way the secondary has been playing then it's just not going to work and it's time to start looking elsewhere for here's the, for plays here's an anecdote about this too um again they they may just have really good players and a freshman that they haven't really used Keontae jenkins was a four-star you know top 20 in the nation cornerback that a lot of people liked um but in practice or availability this week patterson said that they're playing someone else at cornerback and he won't say who it is Mm. So it's probably a receiver or some freshman who hasn't played, but that's that's the straights that they are working with right now at cornerback. Like they're using guys from different rooms and not even telling you who it is because they don't want like a guy with an, a number in the 80s to run out in the field and all of a sudden you target him because you're on the lookout for it too. So mm-hmm. yeah, espionage is sometimes uh, is, is quite a thing too. Uh, also, you know who's really good is that Trayvon Morick. I love watching that guy play. He and he's he's good this year too, and he was supposed to be good. He was as good as they they come in the secondary last year too, and he hasn't fallen off. Nah, he's great. Always he, uh, been good. Grades back it up. Performance backs it up. Eye test backs it up. So it, it's always nice to see. I mean, he's holding when when you throw at Morig, teams are compete completing only forty three percent of their passes. Forty three percent, and he has six pass breakups and an interception, and only allowed one touchdown. So um, might want to avoid him, especially when you have should have wide open spaces basically everywhere else in the secondary. It's a big Michael Lachlan matchup there. If a Lachlan's going to play the slot or going to come off the line and run vertical, he's going to probably find a lot of number seven, and he's going to have to win those battles. That'd be a tough one. He said, well, Lachlan's been great all year. Uh, first real setback against Texas with that. Uh, man, I thought it was pretty tough. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch that replay, but Neil Brown called it a drop. Pro Football Focus called it a drop. That play in the end zone, I thought maybe there was a little defense on there. Um, Brown acted like it was wide open. Um yeah. So we'll have to see. Like, was that the only one that caught that? Like, I felt like like he. I thought it was a little tight coverage back there, and defender was right on him. But Brown felt he was wide open, called it a drop. So we'll see how uh, O'Loughlin bounces back. He's he's bounced back well so far from everything he's had to face since he arrived on campus. So, uh, but this will be his first kind of on field setback. If if it was open, I'm not sure it's on O'Loughlin. I think it's on Daigie a little bit there for not getting that ball out. But I don't think O'Loughlin's the primary guy in that. They ran that play coming off the goal line, and they've done it a bunch where. 
you roll the pocket and you flick it underneath the Letty Brown or Alex Sinkfield. And they did it in the first half. Uh, would have been the first quarter. No, no, second quarter. I don't know. First half for sure. And just it worked. And they got like six yards coming off the goal line. And that's the play they ran on fourth and one. They weren't trying to cut a touchdown. They're trying to get a first down, I think, which means you flick it to Letty. But Texas got beat once and then went to the sideline and covered it up. And they were not fooled on that one. And the safety just ran with O'Loughlin. Again, if that's the first read, maybe the ball goes there quicker and, and he lets him run underneath it. Kind of hard to put that in that spot when the safety's coming at you. And by the way, you're moving to the right. Your footwork isn't perfect. It's going to be hard to get that ball flat on the line like you need to. Um, but hey, if nothing else for Lachlan, that's the standard he's held to now. He's played well enough to, to deserve that. Um, let's do this. Surprises, because we've talked about kitchen sink and players we don't know about. Do you have a surprise for either side, either team, that either will perform above expectations or below expectations that we have or have not talked about? Uh, well, I guess we have talked about him, but I'm, I would be pretty concerned if I were West Virginia about Zach Evans because um, we saw, you know, B. John Robinson, that, that Zach Evans, B. John Robinson, five-star running backs with a ton of talent that are just starting to get more carries. And, and Robinson, I mean, yeah, if they, if they would have focused with him, he might have ended up with 200 yards rushing. Like he was, he was in the zone in that game. And I think you could see Evans, even against this, this stout defense, we've seen them show some cracks in rush defense. I think, I think you could, you might see Evans have a little bit of a breakout. This feels like a game where like Tony Fields could have 20 tackles. (laughs) Yeah, which I don't, I don't think that'd be good or bad, but I'm just like I wonder if, if something like that happens or if he just goes crazy and has a good one. Uh, I think that Darius Stills has to be really good in this one too, just because the stuff that goes to the middle, he's got to help shut down. Um, and I believe he had five tackles against TC last year. So again, against that quarterback, they kind of had an idea of what to do last year. He was he was pretty average against them last year, throwing the ball and running the ball, maybe even below average. Um, made some mistakes that cost him. Um, I don't know. And then I, I guess I'm I'm just curious about the running game for West Virginia, because we saw what happens when it comes off the rails. I, I think that's going to be, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I think underperform overperform is going to be a huge factor in the outcome. You know, if Sinkfield and Sparrow can, can combine to do something, that's fine. You win or lose on that perhaps, but maybe more off of that would be what else do they do? Are they going to get a lot of outside passes like they did last time and work on these corners and then maybe take a shot deep. I kind of like that idea. Make them run side to side, make them chase and tackle for a little bit. And when they start sucking wind, pop someone fresh in or just make him go vertical. You know, four verts is kind of an air raid thing that you see every now and then. I, I I would try to, you could look at your offensive situation in the backfield and say, this is a negative. How can you make it a positive? What can you, can you do? I think they were pretty good against Texas at times like that. And that was on the fly. If they got a whole week to prepare for 50% Letty or no Letty, I'm very curious to see what they can come up with in that room. That's going to be something for me to watch. Yeah, that I love every bit of that because you made the 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 kind of uh, the point last week where you said there's a difference between knowing that Letty Brown is hobbled and him getting hobbled during the game because you you know you I think you said you were curious if it was that and I said no Neil Brown said he got hurt on like the first drive first play yeah and that could throw a wrench in you when you play in your whole offense around Letty Brown being healthy and being in there so yeah if. That, that that's a great point. Like if this team, if this offense can't move the ball with the running backs, knowing that Letty Brown is either 60% or out completely, that's a problem. That's a problem. Being thrown out in the fire like they were last week, 
It sucks. You wish they could have figured it out, but you understand why they probably couldn't. Now you have time. Now you have time to figure out. I know it's only a week. It's not like a whole offseason to, to figure out how to change your offense or, or what these running backs do well and how you can utilize them without Brown. But got to figure out something. Can't, can't, can't not be able to run the ball and say, oh, we didn't have Letty Brown. That, that can't be the excuse this time around. This is interesting. I'm looking at my William Hill app. Uh-huh. The odds for a Garrett Green cameo are down to 250-plus. We have been we have been warning you guys, not warning you guys, letting you know it's it's there as you as you put it on the board. It's in the holster. It's there. It I'm a little bit surprised it didn't happen in the Texas game, especially there in the red zone. Like that was like the ideal scenario, I think, uh, from what we had heard. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it'd be better if it were, you know, up seven or up four instead of down four. But um, that seemed like a perfect time to break that out. Brown's out, running game's not working, third and one. Try to maybe when it's third and one, you already called a timeout, so might as well try it there. Um, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen it, and, and, and I still expect it at some point. Kitchen sink, Chris, kitchen sink. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, text to the text from game day line. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, no. Now you'll like this one. I like okay. your partner's analysis, as he seems to have a different take in general than most of the WVU media. Congratulations, partner. This is the best compliment I've ever got. I thought it was good. We're going to end on a high note there. Yeah, let's do it. All right, plenty of coming up today. This is Friday, so plenty coming up today. And then pregame tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, won't have a dress list for you because they don't want us to share it with the public anymore. But we'll try to let you know who's in uniform and who's not. And then we will cover you from kickoff all the way through our Monday morning podcast, the Q&A. So don't forget, watch the game. Formulate takes, ask questions, find us on the VIP side, post a question Sunday, and we'll answer it on Monday. Sound good? Yep. Sounds good. And then we'll move into the bye week. And and seriously, this time, seriously, I'm really going to put out my basketball preview next week. Uh, kept having things come up, things going on. Uh, and and originally, I wanted to do it during the bye week, and I guess we're just going back to that. So um, it's going to be an interesting bye week, too, and and we'll see how we'll see how the fans react, when depending on what happens this game this weekend yep uh check the site today bob huggins and media availability with a couple of players at 11 30 so we'll have feedback and, and um quotes and thoughts after that otherwise we will uh, we'll see you at noon tomorrow and then we'll be online afterward for a post-game podcast until then i am mike kazazi and i'm chris anderson we will talk to you later